Sports, Rowan Radio, 89.7, WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7, WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, Connor Brown. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM and welcome to this Friday, February 3rd, 2023 edition of Offsides. Today joining me is Nick Rizzo and Sam Prince, all a part of the Rowan Radio Sports Department here in Glassboro, New Jersey. And we got a full slate of sport topics to talk about today, including a certain individual who plays for the Brooklyn Nets who surprise surprise is not happy with his current situation uh this is kind of coming out of left field uh with Kyrie Irving apparently requesting a trade earlier today we're also going to get into the Donovan Mitchell Dylan Brooks altercation then we're going to switch things over to the NFL talk a little Julian Love and his comments on Nick Sirianni the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles we're going to talk a little bit or speculate where we think Derek Carr might end up. And we're going to round things out with the top five on our favorite or just top what we think are the most unbeatable records in sports. Nick, Sam, thank you so much for joining me here today. You know, just uh, tell me how you guys week went. You, you have a good week. Go by fast. Was it a slow week? You, you know, lay it on me. Well, I'm having a great week knowing that my Eagles will be playing in the Super Bowl next Sunday. Uh, wasn't having that great of a week on Monday, though, when the Sixers uh, dropped a clunker to the Magic at Wells Fargo. But, you know, everything's going good for me. You know, weeks going by at a steady pace, not too slow, not too quickly. Uh, kind of actually a little bit more on the slower side than the quicker side, just because kind of sitting in limbo here. This is going to be the longest two weeks ever leading up the next Sunday in Arizona. That's kind of where my main focus lies right now in the sports world. But, yeah. No, no, nothing but thrill coming out of me, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yeah, I mean those Orlando Magic—they're they're a scrappy bunch. They got—they got some young talent, and they're probably gonna be good in uh, the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mr. Prince, how's it going? It's going pretty good today until Kyrie Irving decides to pull one of his new stunts and say, "I don't want to play for the Nets anymore." But guess what, Kyrie? He pulls up. This is just another one of his bag of tricks to get attention. <laughs> you really think Kyrie Irving is gonna be traded? In seven days, seven days. Well, we are going to talk about it. So, I mean, why don't we just transition into our first topic since, you know, I know you have some spirited uh, some spirited thoughts on it, Sam, being a Brooklyn Nets fan. Kyrie Irving, earlier today, Shams reported, is looking to be traded by the February 9th trade deadline or will leave in free agency in July. Sam, give me the rest of your thoughts on that. If I am Sean Marks, and Joe Shot. Sean Marks says, okay, they he's gonna have a talk with Kyrie, a one on one talk, and his and him and his agent say, Do you wanna play here? We wanna sign you long term. If not, let's make a deal done. Because the Nets aren't gonna win the title this year. They're just not. They're the Bucks are a better team and the Celtics are a better team. They can compete with this the Sixers fully healthy because you also saw Rudy Gobert last Offseason gets traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves by first round picks. One of the worst uh, trades just in sports history. You guys could both agree that if that's the new standard of players that you trade for for draft picks, how many draft picks could the Nets get out of Kyrie? <laughs> well, actually, I want to ask a, a, a question for Nick uh, about that. Do we really even use the Rudy Gobert trade as the standard moving forward? Just kind of how ridiculous of a trade it was? I mean, I think those around the league recognize that it was a pretty ridiculous trade. And in terms of Kyrie Irving, I don't know if he would garner that much compensation just because, well, number one, say he does get traded at the deadline, he's going to be a free agent after this season. So teams, number one, are taking the risk that he could be a rental for this season. Number two, you're taking on the risk of the fact that he's Kyrie Irving and that he does have all these tricks pulled up his sleeve <laughs> and, um, you know, just 
him as a human in general. But I don't know. It, it's tough. I mean, I don't think we're going to see that much of a package moving forward unless it is an absolute superstar. Like, say, just using an example, God forbid, Joel Embiid in the coming years gets his way out of Philly. I think that would be a situation where a package of five, six first-round picks would be doable. But in terms of a situation like this for Kyrie Irving or even a player of lesser status, it is kind of hard to say, though, because of the reports of OG Ananobi garnering three first-round picks. So if he can garner three, then Rudy Gobert can definitely garner five, which means Kyrie Irving could garner six or seven. So I think it's to be determined, and we'll have to see how these future trades shake out. Yeah, and I don't necessarily totally disagree with your take on the Gobert trade kind of changing how you know people do trades in the NBA. I, I do think there is some validity to that. But just looking at uh, situation-wise, Minnesota had new ownership come in. They have some young, talented players. I felt like that was more of a buy-in to try to get over the top, even though I still don't know what they were thinking. I, I don't know why you think Rudy Gobert is going to get you over the top. You mm-hmm. saw all those years in, in Utah. It just never worked. To me, Brooklyn is a different situation because you don't have that that young talent. And it's you're going to have to get some players back if you're going to trade Kyrie Irving because you have Kevin Durant, who also you know requested a trade over the summer as well. Obviously, that's kind of backtracked, and he's out with an injury right now. But to me, it's it, – what kind of packages are, are, are we talking about here, Sam, if – the Nets are going to move on from Kyrie Irving, you know, this season, other than just letting him walk in free agency come summertime. Kyle, that's a million dollar question right there. You're going to have to get at least four first round picks and a, a, a couple role players because the Nets do not have depth. They do not have any depth. So, role players though? Huh? A couple. What do you consider? Okay. So, what do you consider a role player? Well, I, I'm just, I, I'm thinking if, if, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm if I'm doing this trade, I have to do it in a way that pleases Kevin Durant. And I don't know if getting a couple role players back for Kyrie Irving and a couple first round picks is going to really please Kevin Durant cuz at the point cuz where where Kevin Durant is in this point in his career, a little older now, getting injured, I I just don't see that making Kevin Durant happy. I am very curious because they could trade for over the summer I saw with the Kevin Durant trade to the Pelicans to get like Brandon Ingram and some of those players. But you're going to need a, a borderline all-star if you're talking this kind of trade scenario and role players and picks. I think if I'm the Nets, I'm tr- targeting more of a player-centric deal rather than the picks because you do have Kevin Durant. You have to please him. You have to make him happy because we saw him try and force his way out of Brooklyn over the summer Thankfully for Brooklyn, that didn't really garner too much traction, and he's still in Brooklyn. But now that Kyrie Irving is leaving, I don't see any possible situation where they can trade Kyrie Irving and still be a championship contender, at least this season. So, uh, honestly, for the Brooklyn Nets, I just think the outlook is looking bleak because if Kyrie goes, KD's next. You're most likely not going to be able to get the compensation in a Kyrie trade that'll still have you hovering around championship contention. I mean, Kevin Durant, we've seen him be Superman in the past, but like you said, at this stage in his career, he needs other pieces around him. Yeah, I think trying to, you know, theorize uh, a package, a potential package for for trading Kyrie Irving is, is kind of difficult to do. But kind of a question that I'm even having more of a difficult time answering to myself is where is this coming from? Because Kyrie Irving obviously got off to a rocky start to begin the season with his, you know, uh, the whole anti-Semitism thing going on. And then since then, it, it's been kind of smooth sailing. There hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, storylines coming out of the, the locker room. The Nets have really turned their season around, playing really well, 31-20. and 20. Kyrie Irving is an all-star game starter. What do we think this stems from? Do, it, it, did something maybe off the record happen? Did, did – uh, you know, the GM for the Nets say they weren't going to re-sign him in the summer. What, what do you guys think this stems from? Kyrie Irving could also just be doing this to get more money. But how? How? He loves to create a. Te- this is just a theory I have. 
a theory. This is a, <laughs> this is a definite. This is a theory. Put it out there. Kyrie Irving is someone who likes to be in the media. He loves the center of attention. When he's out of the center of attention, he doesn't know what's going on. I am convinced sometimes he just do, does these things to get attention and to get more people watching him, to make more money at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I I, I think there is some, some truth to that in, you know, he does like being the center of, of attention. I think almost probably every NBA player loves being the center of attention because they've been their own center of attention for their whole lives because of how talented they are at basketball and, you know, the lead that they play in. It's just, to me, when I see him in those press conferences sometimes, it doesn't look like he really wants to be there. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily just because he wants attention. Uh, Nick, what did you have any other thoughts on that? Well, Sam, that theory, I'm, I'm not opposed to that theory because when I look at this situation – it's kind of similar to the Antonio Brown situation to me, where not totally to the extent of Antonio Brown, but... Okay, look, no one is to the extent of Antonio Brown. Oh, no, no. that no, That's, no. like, borderline impossible to reach that level. But, you know, Antonio Brown, he had things going for him with the Bucks, and then turned back to his old ways of, you know, getting his name involved with the media. Kyrie Irving, similar situation, which is why I was very shocked when this trade request came out this morning, because... Over the course of recent weeks with Kevin Durant out, we haven't seen Kyrie play the role of the victim with the Nets. He's been on record saying multiple times, oh, I need to do a better job leading these young guys. I need to be a better teammate. So it, to me, it looked like he was buying into the Nets, and it looked like he was buying into the season, you know, buy, buying into being the NBA player that he can be when he's not, you know, has had, when he doesn't have his name in the media, not having all these antics, everything like that. But then all of a sudden the trade gets requested. Like you said, Connor, I'm starting to think that there were some internal discussions going on and that something could have soured on the inside there. That could be a factor. Yeah, I mean, something I was thinking about, he, he posted on his uh, Instagram story a couple uh, a couple of videos last night from Jason Whitlock, uh, Jason, uh, Jason, uh, John Stockton, uh, Jordan Peterson, and, and, and there was some controversial videos. And I, I almost think, Sean Marks probably told him, you know, behind closed doors to, to take him off. And, and this, you know, um, quote unquote trade trade request might just be a way of him telling the Nets that uh, they can't control him. But anyway, I think that's enough about Kyrie because we've theorized enough. Don't want to get into uh, all the conspiracies, even though Kyrie does love himself a good conspiracy. <laughs> but last night, the Cavs and Grizzlies took each other on and, and the Cavs ended up taking a 128-113 victory over Memphis. That wasn't the biggest storyline though from the game as during uh, I believe it was during the third quarter Donovan Mitchell and Dylan Brooks were both going for a loose ball and Mitchell ended up on the floor and so did actually no Mitchell was standing right in front of Brooks and then Brooks kind of fell onto Mitchell and while doing that he um Give him a nice hit in the uh, the place that guys do not like to be uh, hit, and that that kind of boiled over into an altercation with you know people coming off the benches, all this stuff, all this flair. Dylan Brooks lately has been in the news a lot for you know, for altercations like this. He almost got into a fight with Shannon Sharp not too long ago. I used to be a defender of Brooks, but I don't know how much more uh, defensible you can get after something like that last night with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not you think Dylan Brooks is a dirty player or not. Well, I, I I didn't think that of Dylan Brooks previously, but you know, you mentioned the altercations that he's been involved with recently. It, it doesn't shed a uh, good light on him, and you know, the backlash that he's been facing after that altercation hasn't been good. I don't. In terms of labeling him a dirty player, I think that it's not out of the question to say that because it only takes a couple or a few plays throughout your career to have that reputation. It doesn't take much. And remember in the playoffs last year, he um, – he, what's it called? He didn't, I don't know if he purposely injured him, but he injured Gary Payton Jr. in the playoffs, and that really hurt the Warriors in that series. So there's more, you know, more history than just the past couple weeks with Brooks. Right. And, you know, it's kind of similar to the Grayson Allen situation with me, just, 
you know, try, trying to be a pest defensively and trying to put in that effort, that spark for your team and just taking it too far. I think that Brooks has taken it too far on multiple occasions. And honestly, Donovan Mitchell was not happy after the game. And as I mentioned, the reaction that Brooks has been getting hasn't been good. I think it's well-deserved. I think you're right. I think Brooks is down. I could consider him a dirty player from what the Shannon Sharp incident last year's playoffs and now the Donovan Mitchell incident. But what do you do? You punish him after that? Yeah. What's your punishment? Uh, you know, I even just going back into the game, I I, I think it's ridiculous that Mitchell got thrown out as well because it was a double ejection where Brooks and Mitchell both got thrown out. And w w when you punch someone in a very vulnerable area, I, I it, it's just I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous to me that you're setting this precedent where you can't, you know retaliate when someone does something like that to you and you know if, if we're talking about i want to know if you guys agree or not i think this is the type of thing that warrants uh a one two three game suspension i was thinking that as well i, I could agree with that like pr no, nothing too crazy though just like you know a one two game suspension just to make it known like hey like you're taking it too far like got gotta gotta step it down a notch a little bit just you it's it's okay to be aggressive and to try to be a pest defensively but you know when, when you do what dylan brooks did last night that is taking it too far all right well we're going to take our first break here of this five o'clock hour of offsides but before that we're going to check the wgls campus calendar rowan university's department of public safety would like to remind everyone in the rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety especially while crossing route 322 Motorists who fail to stop for pedestrians face serious fines. Please follow state law and stop for pedestrians. For questions about public safety, call 856-256-4922. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. Don't you go anywhere, though, because right up after the break, we're going to continue talking about NBA action as we're going to discuss the Knicks' victory over the Miami Heat. Last night, you're tuned in to Roan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Tune in to Rowan Radio for a community affair with me, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director Megan Steckler. Each week, I'll discuss with local and national newsmakers topics that affect you and your community. Get a closer look at these important issues from the people who know them best. That's a community affair the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and also online at rowanradio.com. There was ever a time to live united. It is now. Now is the time to speak with one voice, to build up, not tear down. It's time to join hands and live united against the problems that keep our communities from thriving. United Way fights for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. Will you? Volunteer or donate now at unitedway.org. Eighty-nine point seven WGLS FM. You're tuned into Offsides here every Friday, and I'm Connor Brown, your Friday host, joined by Nick Rizzo and Sam Prince of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And we open up the show talking a little Kyrie action, uh, Kyrie Irving, excuse me, trade uh, action, and then the game last night between the Cavs and the Grizzlies that resulted in a minor altercation between Dylan Brooks and Donovan Mitchell. But now we're going to shift our attention over there to the New York Knickerbockers, who narrowly pulled out a 106-104 victory last night against the Miami Heat. Uh, the Knicks almost, you know, gave that game away. There was multiple chances there at the end for Miami to get back, tie the game, or even win it. Uh, Tyler Hero missed a three-pointer at the buzzer, so New York walks away with a, a victory. And of late, the Knicks have been playing a lot better. Uh, currently, they're the seventh seed right behind Miami, who's the sixth seed. Uh, Miami has one more win and one less loss than the Knicks as they're at 28-25. and 25. 
So it was a huge win last night if you're talking about playoff standings. You know, going forward, the Knicks have played in some close games this week. Haven't really been able to uh, pull them out late, but it was nice to see them win last night. Uh, Sam, I just want to get your thoughts, you know, you being a fellow New York fan, not a Knicks fan. I know you're a Net fan. I will. But I will root for the Knicks with the deck with the Nets are playing. Well, hey, hey, don't 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 brag here. I, I was I was gonna introduce that, and you know, now now you sound cocky, man. <laughs> now you sound cocky. All right, all right. Just so everyone knows, Mr. Sam Prince was the PA, the PA announcer in Madison Square Garden for a Knicks game uh, this season. I think he did a pretty bang up job too. You know, he just gives extra energy for everything he does but you know enough about you sam i want to hear about my knicks and how they've kind of righted the righted oh man i I cannot talk today how they've (laughs) kind of you know fixed things as as the season has gone on and and played better uh just give me your thoughts on on the game last night and some some of your um hopes for the knicks moving forward well connor thank you for the intro i didn't mean to sound too cocky right there I didn't realize you were going to say that, but I really do appreciate that. Thank you, Nick, for the applause in the background. <laughs> but, you know, I think with your Knicks, they have a chance for a playoff berth this year. I think that they can get a seven seed at play-in tournament game. But I don't think this is a year where the, where the Knicks make it past the second round of the playoffs. I think they have a lot to build with. With Jalen Brunson, who I thought was wildly overpaid but was proved wrong. Julius Randle being an all-star is great for the city. and then But you also have Tom Thibodeau, who in my opinion, the Knicks would be a much better team without Tibbs as their head coach. If you take away Tibbs as their head coach and you get maybe a couple, like one more star of that team, I'm not saying this team is competing for championships. Teams have to give a tough fight. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to fight game in game out they have that defensive mindset because of coach Tibbs I'm still kind of building my opinion on on Tom Thibodeau as the head coach of the Knicks Uh, there's parts about him I like but also if you kind of look at his you know track record as a head coach he's kind of worn himself out you know in in different places and hasn't really translated to the you know that championship level success Julius Randle Nick was named a NBA all-star reserve over your point guard James Harden, <laughs> I wanted to uh, to just you know tell tell me how you feel about that. Are are, are you disappointed James Harden didn't make it into the All Star game even though he missed a you know full month of the season? It's certainly disappointing, and even though he missed all those games, I think James Harden is still deserving of the All Star berth. Leads the league in assists. You know he's a consistent twenty ten guy for the Sixers this season, but I'm not going to discredit Julius Randle because he is having a great season. Randle for the Knicks, averaging almost 25 points a game and almost 11 rebounds per game. So in my book, that constitutes an all-star spot. But in terms of the all-star game, now that we're on this conversation, I think it's pretty ridiculous if you compare James Harden and Drew Holiday, for that matter. I think that James Harden was more deserving of the spot than Drew Holiday. That's no knock on Drew, former Sixer, NBA champion. He's done some great things in this league. But in terms of this season solely, I think James Harden has been having a better season than him. And I don't think it's particularly close. I think, but I think Harden would have been an all-star had he played a large majority of the games that he missed. But, you know, considering the the injury uh, management thing, I, I... I could see why Harden isn't an all-star, but even with the injury, I still think he deserves it. But, yeah, Julius Randle having a great season. And James Harden is officially not the assist leader in the NBA. He hasn't played enough games yet. Oh, wow. So, I mean, just throwing it out there. I mean, he's probably, you know, a game or two away from officially being the leader. I I do think you bring up a really good good point, though, about the Drew Holiday all-star selection. And I, I almost feel like it was he was picked in because he hasn't made an all-star game since 2013, which is also a r- little ridiculous about how Drew Holiday hasn't gotten you know that, that proper recognition uh, at least a few more times because he, he's been one of the better players in the NBA for, for, for quite some time now. Um, I, I do think, though, that Jalen Brunson definitely deserved to get in over Drew Holiday. Sam, you know, just looking at the recently announced NBA all-star reserve list, 
or even the starters for for that fact we can just look at them as as a whole um do you, do you have any notable uh snubs that kind of stick out in your mind who you know you feel should should have been named to either the east or west all-star team well this player made the all-star team but Joella Bead should be an nba eastern conference starter mm-hmm. i am not a sixers fan but you're telling me the best center in the league is not an all-star it's I, not an all-star we, we we talked about this last week too on, on, on last week's episode it, it is ridiculous i mean i i don't know what else I, I i get some of philly's frustrations now when it comes to some of the national media coverage of joel Embiid or just other philadelphia players because what else does this man have to do to start in in the all-star game now joe <laughs> what else does he have to do to start i mean i really like don't the, know does he have to save like 20 children from a burning building or something <laughs> or, or cure cancer because i don't i think if he did that he wouldn't even get in i mean i think leading the eastern conference and the league for that matter in scoring and being it's just the fact that it's the disrespect because joel Embiid has been an all-star starter the previous five straight years before this one I think that that should have some weight because this guy has been consistently dominant. He's consistently been the best center in the Eastern Conference for over half a decade. So I think that that should have played a role in the fact that he should have been a starter. I said this on last week's episode. I don't know why Kevin Durant was named a starter considering his injury this year. I think Joel Embiid definitely deserved to slide in there over him. But now going back to the snubs. You know that this is going to have a lot of meaning coming from me since I'm a Sixers fan. I think perhaps a bigger snub than Harden was Siakam not making it in the East. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous to me. Siakam's averaging 25 points a game on 47% from the field, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Siakam's having a great year, and I think it's flying a little bit under the radar just because of the fact that Toronto not really having the success that they've had in years past with Nick Nurse, but... Siakam, quite frankly, he is the reason, along with Fred Van Fleet, but mostly Siakam, mainly Siakam, the reason why the Raptors aren't in the Wabanyaba sweepstakes. Excuse me. He's having a great season, and I think he should have been recognized for it. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about guys who should have been recognized for it, to me, Jalen Brunson sticks out. And as good as Randall has been this year and as happy as I am to see him rebound from, from last season, where you just thought he went back to that that player that he was before he got to the Knicks. I mean, Brunson has been the main reason for this this turnaround for the Knicks and why they're still competitive in a very competitive Eastern Conference. But looking over at, at the West, I mean, how do you not have Anthony Edwards? Anthony Edwards is a, you know, rising star in the league, potentially going to be a guy who is a top five, top seven player that you can just build your franchise around to me that, that that's ridiculous man and to me this all goes back to the the voting structure I think it's extremely flawed I think NBA coaches should have by far the most say of who is an all-star out of everybody if you compare it to the media and the fans I think it should be coaches the undisputed top vote percentage then the media and then the fans because the, I just think the fans, I think that they there is extreme bias in the fan voting. And then it makes the, the coaches, they know they know best out of everybody, and they have the least say out of everybody. It makes no sense to me. So you also get a lot of players will put in their friends in the league that don't deserve to be in it. What do you mean by that? There have been in the past where players who, like, you look who have made it. I forgot the example. I'll pull it up in a couple minutes. That, like, you see that they just promote their friends in. But also, it's also crazy that Pascal Siakam's not an all-star. It really is, honestly. We've seen Siakam put up multiple 40-point games this season, and as I mentioned, I think he's the sole reason why the Raptors aren't at the basement of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and going back to Sam's point, you you bring up a really, uh, not even a good point, a really funny point, because you're right. Guys will just put in their their friends. Like, I saw Watanabe got got a few all-star votes. I mean, I think it was like two or three, but those are still... You know, votes that should be counted towards more, you know, guys who deserve it. You're right. You, the guys who deserve it are Jalen Brunson, a Pascal Siakam, James Harden. Yeah, it just 
it, I'm starting to get sick of the NBA All-Star Weekend just because, number one, you have this whole situation with the players who, you know, most would say they deserve to get in. They're not getting in. You have the dunk contest. How much of a hit has the dunk contest taken in recent years? We have NBA G League star from the Delaware Blue Coats, Mac Blacug, and the dunk contest. We got to give the Blue Coat love right there. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we need a Zion Ja dunk contest. Yeah, shout, shout out Mac McClung. That's really a great feat by him, but, you know, it, it, it needs to be NBA players. It, it needs to be NBA players that everybody knows has hops and that can jump and that can dunk. As you said, Ja, Zion. I don't know why. I, I, I'm assuming they're not participating because of injury, but it, the NBA needs to do something about this. But how much, how many, how can you get injured from a dunk contest? Yeah, very unlikely. But. I mean, you're up in the air. A lot of things can go wrong when you're on your way down. So I get some of the concern around it, but yeah, it it loses a lot of the flair of it. And I almost think going back to when you know LeBron would never do it, I think that kind of took some of the wind out of the sail for people doing the event because before that, I mean, it almost seemed like every all-time great was in in the dunk contest. But I, I think we rambled on enough about the NBA All Star. Uh, game as we started off talking about the Knicks uh beating the Heat and we just went on a absolute tangent about the NBA All-Star game in true New Yorker fashion before we get to the NFL though I wanted to bring up Giannis Antetokounmpo scoring 50 points last night for the third time in 11 games in a narrow 106-105 victory over the Clippers have we just become oversaturated to the greatness of Giannis Oh, yes, 100%. This guy, he is not getting the recognition, perhaps, that... All right, so let me put this into perspective. Say this was an NBA player that hasn't reached superstar status yet. He's ha- He has the season that Giannis is having right now. This guy would be all over the media, but now that, you know, it's Giannis, you know, he it's what he does. It's just not going to get as much recognition and attention, in my opinion, but... I mean, looking at this, this guy can make a serious push to be the MVP again this year. I mean, the Bucs, they're sitting at second in the Eastern Conference, only two games back of first. If the Bucs keep winning and if they finish with a one top, uh, top two seed in the East and Giannis keeps doing what he does, absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be the MVP again. But as you mentioned, I don't think he's going to get as much traction in the voting as years past just because he is Giannis and we are used to his greatness by now. It's kind of like with LeBron a little bit how these superstars who we keep on seeing them do superstar things every year is kind of like, oh, okay, we just expect that from Giannis. Mm-hmm. And players like that status. But if it wasn't Giannis, it's your point. You made a great point. Would we be so shocked with it? Like, if it if it wasn't Giannis having this type of season, would it get more attention? Yeah, let's just say it was like... Uh, Anthony Edwards. Oh, and he's having the season Giannis is having yeah. right now? Oh, this this guy would be all over the media. He would get all the Instagram posts, everything. That's just my opinion, though. I think Connor makes a great point when he says that Giannis's greatness is just a little oversaturated at this point just because we're so used to seeing it. I, I, I genuinely believe that if, if it was a guy like Anthony Edwards having this type of season, putting up 30, over 30 points a game, you know, multiple 50-point games, it would be getting a lot more attention. I think part of the biggest part, the biggest issue on why Giannis isn't necessarily getting, um, you know, the full recognition is because of the market he's in. I almost think it's more about a market thing. If he was in New York, L.A., I mean, forget about it. We would be hearing about Giannis 24-7, yeah. and I we might get sick. We potentially could get sick of him. So I kind of like where he's at in Milwaukee where – Every once in a while, you just kind of click on, you know, the Bucks box score, and you're like, hey, you know, Giannis scored another uh, 50 today. So he's just amazing, and I, I love seeing him play. And he, he's just an awesome guy, too. I, I love yeah. hearing him talk. He has this awesome energy about him. He's really just so down to earth. What One of the coolest stories, too, in, in sports. But I think we've hammered enough about the NBA because I want to get to the NFL as there isn't a whole lot to talk about this week as we're you know preparing for the Super Bowl. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week, so that, that, that'll be fun. So I was kind of scraping for some ideas, and you know something happened this week from a certain 
impending free agent for the New York Giants, Julian Love, went on, you know, Good Morning Football, and this clip has kind of circulated, made its rounds through social media, went a little viral, as the kids would say. But um, anyway, I'm going to read what he said. And he was asked, you know, kind of about Sirianni's sideline demeanor, uh, you know, that, that viral video that <laughs> – that went around of, of Sirianni looking into the camera and kind of nodding his head. And Julian Love had this to respond when asked on Good Morning Football. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, Love responded. He's in for a free ride right now. You guys can coach this team. And when he said you guys can coach this team, he was talking to the anchors of Good Morning Football. Quite the shot there, Nick Rizzo at, uh, at uh, head coach Nick Sirianni. I want to hear your thoughts and uh you know tell 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 me how you feel about that that was uh, that was quite the shot wasn't it and it was kind of unexpected too i we've been hearing this recently though this whole Sirianni narrative about how he's been given this plethora of players this loaded roster and that he can just kind of sit back kick his feet up and relax while they do the dirty work i don't think that's necessarily the case because and this also kind of ties back to the coach of the year situation as well, Nick Sirianni not being named the finalist. I think a lot of that had to do with the narrative that he has this loaded roster. But if you look before the season, the ceiling from all the media guys that I saw the Eagles, the ceiling they were giving them was 11 wins. I didn't see anyone pick the Eagles to have more than 11 wins on the season. The Eagles were by no means the favorite, the clear favorite to win the NFC East. And now they come out, and they're 14-3, and three, by far the best team in the NFL, in my opinion, on paper. But, yes, they are the best team in the NFL on paper, in my opinion. But nobody was saying that before the season. And I think a big reason of why we have the best roster in the NFL is because Sirianni has been getting the most out of his guys. If you look across the board, every a lot, not every, but most, if not all, of the Eagles players have been having career seasons. Name it. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurst, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard was on his way if he didn't get hurt. Across the defensive line, Brandon Graham, double-digit sacks for the first time in his career, coming off an Achilles tear, mid-30s. To me, that all points to Sirianni because you could have you could have as loaded of a roster as you want. If, you, if you're not being coached correctly, you're not going to be able to get the most out of your players. So, contrary to the media... I think Sirianni has played a ginormous role in the success that the Eagles have had this season. And then, I mean, Love went to double down, too, on his response on Twitter. He quote-tweeted the video with, Philly fans sure don't like this one, LOL. But I'm not wrong. This is a player's league, and if Philly has dogs on the roster top to bottom, it's no mystery why they're in this position. Sam, how do you feel about, you know, our favorite team's leading tackler from last season, a pending free agent, going on good morning football and saying this about nick sirianni so shout out to my guy julia love it shout out to all <laughs> my guys at good morning football shots have been fired absolutely <laughs> i love to hear it because he just stirred up the pot for that rivalry right there i think going into the season i saw the eagles winning the nfc East clearly i don't know what you were talking about right there nick hey I, i'm just I saying had them winning the nfc East yeah with 11 to 12 wins. That wasn't everybody's choice, though. It wasn't It wasn't undisputed. That's all I'm saying. Uh, fair, and I respect you for that. Because I, I do think Nick Serrier is a good head coach, but I don't think he's the best head coach in the world. That's the reason why he wasn't a coach of the year. Coach of the year, all these three guys have dealt with adversary. adversary. Look at Kyle Shanahan. Third straight quarterback, Brock Purdy, got to the NFC Championship game. Brian Dable. How many wins did you guys see the New York Giants winning all year? Maximum <laughs> six for me. Yeah, no, and look, I'm not saying that Sirianni should be the undisputed winner of Coach of the Year. but And then you have Doug Peterson, who takes a one win. Jacksonville Jaguar. Okay, I was it was one to two wins. Three. What did three wins team? I forgot how many wins they have. Jacksonville Jaguar team, the worst team in the NFL, to a playoff win and win the AFC South. I think in any other year, Nick Sirianni would have been in the Coach of the Year category, but there were just so many Coach of the Years. Look, Nick Sirianni, what has he actually done to elevate this Eagles team? All right, all right. 
this is where I have to stop you a little, a little bit, Sam. I, I I do appreciate your spirit, but don't you think it's a little contradictory for Love to say this, especially after a season in which Brian Dable came in and had such an amazing impact on the team, leading them to the playoffs? Isn't it kind of contra- con- contradictory to not give that kind of same respect to a coach who's leading his team to the Super Bowl? The Eagles had a much better rush than the Giants. Still, though, like you, you go around and look look around the league and all, all the talented, you know, rosters and stuff. And I, I agree with you that that the Eagles have one of the most talented rosters in football, arguably the the most talented. The best. But you still need a conductor that can get you there. And coaching is not only X and O's; it's also managing egos. And you you can that that's a that's a really hard skill as as well. You know, not all coaches are just going to be X and O's guys. But I think I think Sirianni is one of those X and O guys, and also a guy who knows how to fire up his team and get him heading in a direction, uh, the right direction. I mean, what he's done with Jalen Hurts too. Oh, that's also straight spiking. Okay, well, but we're talking about Sirianni. I I think he deserves some credit, but I don't think he's like the all the end all be a answer at Philly. Yeah. So you, you you don't think Nick Sirianni is is going to be the long term head coach? Oh no, I do. I'm saying I agree with Love in ways I don't because he should not have said that after a loss, a devastating loss. When Pounding, yeah. Let up over th- when you let up 38 points. Yeah, you should have said it then. If you want to say it before, maybe that that's different. All right, I need to address some of these comments here. So. <laughs> Number one, I am not saying that Nick Sirianni should have won the coach of the year. I, I think yeah. that Dayball and Peterson should both be above him in the coach of the year. But in terms of Shanahan being a finalist over him, I personally do not agree with. That's just me. Everyone will have their preference. But talking about the loaded roster situation, how, how many times did you hear in the offseason that the Chargers may have the best roster in the NFL? And what and what was Brandon Staley able to do with it? That's been a storyline for probably the past twenty years. Exactly. So the <laughs> like char- every every offseason, it's like, oh, the Chargers, they, they they might win the Super Bowl this year. Exactly. And so the Chargers, they come into the season with this quote unquote loaded roster. Brandon Staley can't make the most out of it and maximize all of his players. That's what Sirianni was able to do. He had he took this loaded roster and he was able to take them even further to the next level to another stratosphere. That's why I think Sirianni isn't getting enough credit. But in in defense here, Sirianni does have a loaded roster. We have some key free agents heading into the offseason. I think in the two, three years after this year, we'll really start to see who Sirianni is as a coach when he doesn't have as many key players and he kind of has to create things on his own. That's a fair point, Nick. Yeah, well, I mean, just, just to end it here, I, I do think Coach Sirianni is, is one of the elite coaches in the nfl even if he does have this you know a prefla of talent on his roster the fact that he's gotten them to the super bowl can't discredit him for that go Um, just one more thing going to the super bowl should never be discredited it is extremely hard to lead your team to the super bowl as a head coach and honestly like i to to end things here i really just don't get why sirianni i haven't seen him get virtually any credit for the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, which is ridiculous to me. All right, so the NFL Pro Bowl is going on right now. I don't know if you guys knew that or not because <laughs> I, I, I found out about it last night on Twitter when it was going on. And uh, Derek Carr, after uh, you know participating in one of the competition drills that they're doing, someone asked him if he's ever been that hot before when he was in Vegas, and he, he replied with something like, no, and that's why they're trading me or I'm not going to be back there next season. I wanted to know where you guys think Derek Carr best fits next season. Tough one. I'm going to try to think that. But you know who I could maybe see where he could go? The New York Jets. The New York Jets have been rumored to be at these Derek Carr conversations since middle of last year before he gets benched for Nathan P. Bitter. I'm sorry for Jets, I'm not Jared said I'm not Nathan Peterman, my fault right there. So if you have these conversations, you trade some mid-round picks for him. The Jets are a real threat in the AFC East. Alright. So Derek Carr, I think there's two or just to start off with your point, Connor, 
I did not know that the Pro Bowl was even happening until I saw Derek Carr say that quote. I did not know any events were going on, but that's a story for another day. Derek Carr, I think there's two pretty obvious landing spots where he could go, maybe even three, or two obvious landing spots where he could go. Then I have two possible sleepers. So the obvious ones, Jets, Bucks. The Bucks just lost Tom Brady. They're in need of a quarterback. They need to do something there. There's no in-house options for the Bucks there. And then the Jets, it's obvious, the whole Zach Wilson situation. Derek Carr's been linked to the Jets since midseason. But a team that I haven't seen anybody talk about with Derek Carr going to, the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was thinking the Colts too. I think that would be a classic Jim Ursay move, bringing in a veteran guy like Derek Carr. And then, hey, you, you have a the fifth, sixth pick in the draft, a high-end pick in the draft. You could use that to build the roster around him too, maybe get another weapon in there for him. I think the Colts are on the borderline of being a QB away. I think they need a QB and then a couple other pieces, and then they'll be there. I don't think – I think they're closer to being a Super Bowl champion than they are being a perennial top-five NFL draft pick team. And then I think the Colts would be the top sleeper for me. And then possibly even the Commanders too. Their their situation is kind of uncertain. I wouldn't be surprised to see Derek Carr end up going there. But, you know, the the Colts, I think that needs to be talked about more because, like I said, I think that would be a classic Ursay move. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's like trying to put a wooden circle through a square peg. With, with the Colts. <laughs> if, if, if you're the Colts and you do that because, you know, you trade for Wentz, you bring in a veteran guy, you're saying the same thing. Oh, we have all this talent all across the roster. All we need is a quarterback. That failed miserably. You bring in Matt Ryan last year, a veteran quarterback. That failed even worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe third time's a charm. I don't know. I think probably where Derek Carr is in his career, he's a better option, obviously, than Matt Ryan in Carson Wentz. Right. But I'm really interested to see where this, you know, Derek Carr saga goes. And, you know, the Jets, too, I think would be, you know, a heck of a situation. They have probably some of the best skill players in football not only on the offensive side but also the defensive side so if Carr comes in and plays at the level that he can that could be a dangerous team next season and that's going to do it for our nfl talk here on offsides and we're going to hop off take a quick break but be sure to stick around because we have our top five coming up next it's going to be the top five records in sports you're tuned into offsides with connor brown here on roan radio 89.7 wgls fm to the Roan Report every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Join me, Allie Bruce, and the rest of the Roan Radio news team as we bring you a recap of weekly news covering local, national, and international stories. Plus, we'll take a look at sports and entertainment news, too. For news around the region and around the world, listen to the Roan Report every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and online at roanradio.com. No matter who we are, or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the early bird special. Every weekday starting at 7 a.m., our host will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the early bird special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at RowanRadio.com. Thanks to everyone who's tuned into this episode of Offsides, the Friday February 3rd, all of a sudden it's February, boys, and Valentine's Day is coming up next week. I know I probably won't be doing much, but uh, if you guys are doing something, you know, good for you. I'm happy you're happy, and we're going to get into our top five records in sports as I'm joined here with Sam Prince and Nick Rizzo who have joined me for this episode. We have about 10 minutes left, and the reason why I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on, you know, the top five records in sports to you guys 
is because LeBron James is only 63 points away now from becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, taking that you know, mantle from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's held it for, I don't know, for the longest time possible. Sam, I want to start with you. Give me your top five records in sports. From number five to number one, baseball, Joe DiMaggio, 56-game hitting streak. You know how possible that is? Now, <laughs> I mean, you see a player like Mike Trout, you see a Ted game, but he loses, the player loses after like 12, 13 games. That's, a, that's nearly impossible. Then I have Bill Russell's 11 NBA rings. That's pretty good. Number three, I have Barry Bonds' 73 home runs in a season. It was could have maybe been beaten this past season with Aaron Jones at 62. Yes, he was nine short, but there was a little there were parts of the season where he went on those little slumps. If he didn't go on those slumps, maybe he could have beaten it. Number two is John Wooden's UCLA Bruins teams ten championships in twelve years. And the most unbreakable record, in my opinion, all sports, is Cal Ripkins, two thousand at six hundred thirty three consecutive games played. I mean, that's uh, that's going to be a part of my list, too. I, I don't see anyone ever breaking that. Mr. Rizzo, do you got a top five that you want to share with us? I do, and this was very tough to put together. Let me just say that I think all of these records are unbreakable, but it's very tough to rank them. But I have an honorable mention to start off, and it's Wilt Chamberlain's record of averaging 50 points in a season. It didn't make the top five because I think – someone in the future could possibly do it with the way the NBA is shifting. But as of this current moment, the active leader is James Harden when he averaged 36 back in 2018-19. I think that's pretty unbreakable. Number five, I have the Celtics record of winning eight straight championships. I mean, that's that's ridiculous because the Warriors, we viewed them as one of the best dynasties we've ever seen, and they only managed to rattle off two straight in a span of the four or five years that they were the dynasty that they are. So eight straight is just unheard of. Number four, I have Wayne Gretzky's record of 1,963 career assists. Now, to put that into perspective, the active leader, Sidney Crosby, been one of the best players in the NHL for over a decade. He's sitting at 899. Gretzky beats him by over a thousand. Yeah, that's not that's not getting touched. And you know, I I would love to point at Connor McDavid here, but I think Gretzky has a leg up considering that he played twenty one seasons. I think that will never be done again. Number three, I have Ricky Henderson, one thousand four hundred and six stolen bases. I don't think that will ever be broken just because the MLB the stolen base is starting to disappear more and more as the seasons go on. Not as much speedsters out there on the base pass. Number two, I have Cal Ripken and his record of uh, over 2,500 straight games consecutive played. You know, just the way with sports, with the way they're heading these days, play, guys don't play every night of every season. I, I think that'll never be broken. But I think a record that is more unbreakable than that is Cy Young, 749 complete games in his career. The Put that into perspective real quick. The active leader for that is Adam Wainwright with 28 career complete games. It's safe to say that'll never be broken. Yeah, I mean, out of all of them, without a doubt, not even necessarily without a doubt, I, I think Cy Young and Cal Ripken are two records that are, are never going to be touched. I mean, actually, you can even throw Ricky Henderson in there with, with his 1,400 career stolen bases. I mean, you think about it. Guys don't steal bases as much anymore. They're, it's all about the long ball or striking out. Pitchers don't pitch complete games anymore with Adam Ray. That, that is, that is. I mean, that that's what Cy Young would do in a season. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, no one's going to pitch that many complete games. And MLB players don't play full seasons as much anymore. So my list, I mean, I just named three of them off it with, with you know, Ricky Henderson. 
Cal Ripken, Cy Young. You know, we we all, we all kind of had some of the same similar um, records that that we picked from because. I mean, when you look at him, there, there's there's no way there's no way no no one is breaking that. I also I, I put Will Chamberlain into my list. I, I didn't have him as an honorable mention, just because that that season just stands out to me so much because he didn't even win MVP that season. Bill Russell was named the MVP, which if you're talking about you know Philly media bias, you could go all the way back to the '60s when they weren't giving Will Chamberlain the <laughs> MVP for averaging 50 points in this season. I asked, what else does Joel Embiid have to do to prove himself as an NBA <laughs> all-star starter or an MVP? Walt Chamberlain, I mean, what you score 50 points in a season. What else do you want him to do? It all makes sense now. It does. <laughs> it, it harks back to even when they were the Warriors back in the day. And then Barry Bonds. I mean, there is so many, just so many just amazing Barry Bonds stats that you stare at. And you can't even come up with an idea of, of how he did what he did, even if he was on steroids. I mean, come on. He's the best baseball player of all time. I, that's another conversation for another day. But in one season, he had 120 intentional walks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, this was a guy that they used to intentionally walk with the bases loaded. That is how feared of a hitter – Barry Bonds was and he might have been juiced up but I don't care to me to me there's there's still a lot of skill involved there so the whole Barry Bonds situation now this is just my opinion but number one he didn't he he technically didn't even juice till later in his career and number two Barry Bonds off the juice would have still hit home runs he just wouldn't have hit him 500 feet all right so I think without the juice Bonds still would have had similar numbers I think he's a no, absolute no doubter Hall of Famer, and like Connor said, I think he's the greatest baseball player of all time. But conversation for another day. Sam, what's what's your thoughts on that? It's crazy that Barry Bonds is not the Hall of Fame. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a top five baseball player of all time. I mean, you you can't say it any better than that. Cause, I mean, <laughs> uh, facts are facts. I mean, you look at the numbers, and I I mean I, I get some of it. But also to me, it's it's it has to do a lot with the uptightiness of some some you know sport writers and, and stuff like that. But it, it's so contradictory because the sport writers are the ones who profited off of not talking about steroids being an issue back in the '90s. Now all of a sudden they're gonna you know stand have a moral you know uh, they're gonna hold it over the players' heads who d- did it, even though they were profiting off of it. You look at it like this. Everyone was doing it. And did it steroids save the game of baseball? It did. Exactly. And you said every player was doing it. That literally just helps Bonds' case because every player was juicing and still weren't able to put up the numbers that Bonds was able to put up. As I said, Bonds would have still put up the numbers he put up without steroids. He just wouldn't have done it in as flashy of a fashion. And before we uh, end today's show, I just wanted to ask if you had – any honorable mentions that you, you were thinking about adding to the list and uh, and did it before we wrap up the show? I was thinking about adding Brady's seven Super Bowl championships. Yeah, that, that that's a tough one. But the one that I was really debating leaving on or not, UConn Huskies women's basketball, 111 straight wins. That That is pretty ridiculous. And now that I'm thinking about it, I might put that over Wilt as my honorable mention. I mean, powerhouse program, all-time coach, but that's let's be real. We're probably never going to see that again, ever. Yeah, I mean, what, what the UConn woman did was just outstanding. And, you know, I think they're having a little bit of a down year this year as uh, Paige Buchers is, is still out with a, a 20 ACL, I think it is. Um, so they're, they're hoping to get on to another, you know, winning streak like that. I don't know if you can perfectly emulate it. Uh, one that I just want to throw out there too is Nolan Ryan's seven career no hitters. Yeah, I you know you you could that that's one of those records that you could see being broken, but at the same time, uh, you know I just I, I don't know how you do do that have seven career no hitters quite amazing as uh, Nolan Ryan was. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition of Offsides. Thank you once again, Mr. Sam Prince and Mr. Nick Rizzo for coming on the show. This was once again Connor Brown, the Friday host of Offsides on Rowan Radio, 89.7 
WGLS FM. Everyone stay safe out there this weekend, and don't forget to have a little fun. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Thank you.